Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. The sermon that you're about to listen to is number six in a series on the seven signs in John's Gospel. This is on the healing of a man born blind from John chapter 9. And we look at the question of suffering and how Jesus transforms our suffering. And just to let you know, the passage uh, the passage is read out before the sermon uh, begins. And just to remind you, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done already. And do please uh, check out the rest of the content on the website. That's understandthebible.uk. There's uh, lots more available there, so do check it out as well. Thanks very much, everyone, for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy. God bless. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 12. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? They asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? they asked him. I don't know, he said. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, like uh, like we saw, uh, the signs in John are like little windows which open out onto who Jesus is and they help, help us to see who he is, and, uh, and just each give a little different insight into that. And the sixth sign in John is, uh, is no exception. It just gives us an insight into who Jesus is. Now, when we go through, uh, through times of suffering and hardship, one of the questions that we often ask is, is why? And I know that we've seen that a few times over the last last few months and we talked about this in, in various different ways and this uh, this sign here helps us to understand that Jesus transforms the way that we see suffering Jesus transforms the way that we see uh, suffering so the um, they were walking along um, uh, Jesus and his disciples and they see a man who was Uh, blind he'd been born blind and uh, the disciples ask him a question which seems uh, perhaps a natural question really given their their setting who sinned 
this man or his parents that he was born blind? And maybe that's a natural question to ask. You remember a few weeks ago uh, when we looked at John chapter 5 that um, there was, uh, there is sometimes a link between sin and, and suffering in that way. But um, maybe the disciples were thinking, well, there's a man who's suffering, so obviously he must have done, or his parents must have done something wrong. Uh, But Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Um, And I think this is a very clear statement that we can't say uh, that every bad thing is is a punishment from some specific sin. So, uh, although, as we saw back in John chapter 5, sometimes perhaps it is, uh, but I think much of the time it isn't. And that's exactly what Jesus says here. You can't draw a straight line between some sin and some bad thing happening. Um, But, uh, Jesus said, instead this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So this happened to the man not as a punishment, but so that God's work might be displayed in him. And then Jesus goes on, he says, well, as long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work, but while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is looking ahead to his his crucifixion and he says, well, while I'm here with you, um, we must do these works. Because there is a night coming when he's going to be, he knew what was going to happen. He knew he he was going to be taken away. Um, Now, this isn't saying that we, uh, now, of course, Jesus is with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, at that point, he was just talking about his crucifixion. He wasn't talking about what was going to happen after the Holy Spirit came. So um, don't read too much into that. But Jesus is just saying, um, I've been sent to do these works. This is why I'm here. And this is what I must do now. So uh, he says this, and he he spat on the ground and makes some mud with the saliva. Now, what's what's the significance of of that? I don't, again, you know, you can um, find people who read different things into it. Personally, I think the most convincing thing is going back to to Genesis. If you look in, uh, in, for example, Genesis chapter 2, and verse 7, it says, um, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. So it was the man was formed from the dust of the earth. And here we see Jesus healing someone using the dust of the earth. And I think we're meant to see that, that um, you know, going together there. Um, and then he says to the man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. Why does John include that translation there? Why does John say, tell us what it means? Because in John's, in John's gospel particularly, these things are, um, it's never just a coincidence. And if you look back, remember how Jesus said, um, we must do the works of him who sent me. And John says that this man was to wash in the pool, which means sent. What does that mean? Well, we'll come on to that um, a bit later on uh, as we we come to the end. But 
those two things are supposed to uh, are supposed to go together and so he goes and washes and he comes home seeing and his neighbors and those who'd seen him begging they, they ask isn't this the same man and some of them, they just don't believe that he's the same man some of them can't recognize him they can't believe the transformation that's happened and that's a, a wonderful picture isn't it of what God's work does in our lives that it, it makes us almost unrecognizable because of the change that, that God works in us and that's the wonderful work of God the work of Jesus in us so what can we say we started out thinking about sin and about uh, about suffering what does this passage teach us about those things well um, I think the first thing as we said is that suffering is not attributable to specific sins in in general I think that's one thing that that Jesus says very clearly here so although we saw back in in John chapter 5 sometimes that might be the case I think very often that's not that we know suffering happens because of sin in the world because of the fall but uh, we can't usually draw a line to say well because someone did a sin then then that's happened to them I think that's that's a wrong thing to in general to, to do but the second thing is that suffering is part of a bigger story think about this man the man who'd been born blind he'd been blind from birth and Jesus says this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him now think about what that man must have thought right up until he met Jesus think about what that man must have thought about being blind and how he must have seen it and think about how different it is that that, that Jesus saw it you know, the man was probably thinking oh well why did I have to be born like this how do I have to live you know isn't God cruel for making me like this but Jesus sees it differently he sees it from a different perspective he thinks this happened so that God's work could be displayed in him and that's a very different way of looking at, at suffering and, and, and these things, isn't it? We know that actually things happen so that God's work might be displayed. And the third thing and the final thing is that Christ transforms our suffering. And now I think look, this goes back to what we, what we heard about um, Christ being sent and about the Paul being sent. And I think this is this is the thing that that Jesus Christ is the sent the one who was sent to us and who can transform us now it's in him that we find the uh, the transformation of our suffering this is what it says in Romans chapter 8 you know on Sunday mornings on the the online services we've been looking through uh, through Romans chapter 8 we just finished it Romans chapter 8 verse 17 now if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Shall we, we share in Christ's sufferings, and then we share in, in Christ's glory. So that's how it is for Christians. Everything that we go through is to display God's glory in the end. When we come to Christ, he transforms the suffering that we've, that we've been through. And Christ alone has the power 
to redeem our lives, that he has the power to turn whatever it is that we may have been through or may be going through, he alone has the power to transform our lives so that other people won't even believe the transformation. Christ alone has the power to do that. And he has the power to make something wonderful and beautiful out of even all of the suffering and hardship that we've been through. And just to close, I'll mention one, one book um, by a man called Jerry Sitzer, and it's called A Grace Disguised. And I, I read it um, a year or two ago, and it's very good. Um, but Jerry Sitzer, he, um, he had, um, I think, three or four children, um, and uh, he was driving somewhere. He was a journalist. He was driving somewhere, uh, and uh, they, with his children, with his wife, and with his mother, to sort of, um, you know, writing about this India, American, um, Native American reservation, I think. Um, and uh, they were driving back quite late in the evening, and a drunk driver came the other, the wrong side of the road and hit them. And in, the, in that car crash, he lost his mother, his wife, and one of his children. So three generations of the family lost in one, one car accident. And this book was written um, about five years after that, um, and of just about what God had done in his life through that time. But what he said in that book, and the quote which has always stuck with me, is that he said, I wish that everyone could go through what I've been through, apart from, you know, apart from the intense suffering, so could experience the same grace of God working in that time without going through the suffering. And that's the thing that he could say from his own experience that the suffering that he'd been through was God's grace in the end. It was a grace disguised. And um, that is a wonderful thing if we can come to say that the things we've been through are so that God's works might be displayed in us. And that's an amazing thing. That's something that Jerry Sitzer came to, um, to, to understand. And um, I do commend that book if you'd, you'd like to read it. So let's take a moment to pray and ask God to help us now as we draw to a close to, to put these things into practice. The Heavenly Father, we, uh, we know that it is hard when we go through suffering and hard times. But we thank you that the Lord Jesus can transform those times and can use them for good in our lives. And we pray that you would help us to trust uh, that you have a plan for us and that uh, when we see things from your perspective, that we will see your goodness and your power at work in us so that your works may be displayed and so that we may be uh, transformed for good. So please help us to trust you at this time and uh, every day. In Jesus' name. Amen.